This morning's scripture reading comes from the 11th chapter of Isaiah, verses 1 through 10. A shoot shall come, a shoot shall come out of from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of its roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes sees or decide by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the, lips of, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The wolf shall live with the lamb, and the leopard shall, down, shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the fatling together, and the little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put its hand on the otter's den. They will not hurt nor destroy on my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the water covers the sea. On that day, the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to the peoples. The nations shall inquire of him, and his dwelling shall be glorious. The word of God for the people of God. for being lazy. And another thing, Cratchit. I've had enough of this half-day-off stuff. You leave me no alternative but to give you... Toys! Yes, toys. No, 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 no. I'm giving you a raise and making you my partner. A, a partner? Oh, thank you, Mr. Scrooge. Merry Christmas, Bob. And God blesses everyone. Joy to the children, far and near. What a wondrous time of year. Isn't it just grand to say, Merry, Merry Christmas. Merry, Merry 
I couldn't have this sermon series and not play that clip, right? Here's the question, though. Do we really believe that it's possible that the lion would eat straw like the ox? Is it possible that the wolf would lie down with the kid? Do we believe Scrooge's heart might be changed? Maybe more directly, do we believe God could do something with ours? So we've been talking all this month, and, and I'd normally hate sermon series that build on each other, but that's what growth is, and so sometimes they just have to be that way. We've been talking all month about how we reflect on our past and how we think about our future and how we hear the plight of others in the present and how we are present in the present and using this model of Scrooge, you know, with the ghost of Christmas past and present and future as a model for how we reflect on our lives, how we dream of our future and how we show up every day in the present moment that we have. One of the ways that I do this for myself, maybe my strongest spiritual discipline, if you will, is hiking. You'll not find hiking as a spiritual discipline in the Bible normally. It's kind of in between the lines, although what you will find is that a lot of some of the best insights that Jesus' disciples and everyone else had happened while they were hiking down a road. I would give you the, the two guys on the road to Emmaus. I would give you a lot of other examples. So I hike a lot, and when I hike, I, I, I noticed that I'm able to hold attention a little bit better. I'm able to think more clearly. I'm able to pray without my mind wandering quite as badly as it normally does. And I'm also able to, when I really stop and just kind of pay attention, notice, you know, the wind on my face or the sounds or the lack of sounds in the woods. And this time of year, you know, especially if you hike on a rainy day, it's really quiet, you know, because your feet aren't crunching the uh, dry leaves. It's a little, it's a little quieter and, and, and you just notice things. One of the things I noticed last year for the first time, and I don't know why I've spent my whole life in Alabama and I used to hunt a whole lot. I've been out in the woods quite a bit is that there were these trees out at Oak Mountain, and that's where I normally hike, that were kind of low-growing trees that this time of year were still hanging on to their leaves. And they're, they're kind of a pale peach colored, almost the same color as my skin tone. And if you ride down the road today, you know, in any direction and look into the woods, you'll see. I'm not talking about the evergreen trees. Of course, the pine trees are hanging on to their needles and the cedars and things like that. This is a deciduous tree, but it's hanging on to these pale colored leaves that are about this big and they're sawtooth edged, kind of like a chestnut leaf. I went home and looked it up, and I think they're an American beach. And there's a word for deciduous trees that hang on to their leaves in the winter until the new leaves push them off. Most leaves, of course, fall in the, in the winter, but these don't. And the word is, is marcescence. And it's a word that just describes when those trees hang on to those dead leaves until the new pushes them out, which if you or like me, then you start asking questions like, what am I holding on to in my life that is no longer producing life? What, what am I hanging on to that's dead that maybe I need to let go of? Or what needs to grow in me in order to make 
to push something that was old off. And then, of course, we can ask all of the same questions about the church, can't we? I've introduced to you all two words during this sermon series, and I'll, I'll briefly run over them again. It's catanoia and metanoia. Noia means mind. Kata means directed or focused. Meta means bigger. And so catanoia is stop, pay attention, look at that, study it, reflect on it, right? Metanoia is, is get a bigger understanding, see a new horizon, bigger awareness. Normally they're translated in Scripture, consider. So Jesus would be walking down the road with the disciples and he would say, catanoia, consider the birds of the air, consider the fig tree, consider the flowers of the field, right? Those kinds of things. Stop and pay attention and smell the smells and hear the sounds and see creation around you. And then metanoia is always translated repent. Of course, we, I think, have mistakenly understood that as a be sorry kind of repentance, more like penitence. In reality, what it means is to grow. It means to understand the world in a new way, in a way that you didn't understand it before. Now, oftentimes that does follow sorrow, to be clear. Oftentimes it does follow a recognition that we've really made a mistake and we need to see the world in a new way. We need to see ourselves in a new way. Often for me, I don't know how this is for you, but often for me, that's recognizing that I'm not the person that I thought I was or want to be. And, uh, and I need to grow because of it. Here's what I want to submit to you all. This catanoia metanoia is a cycle that our life could follow as a trajectory for growth. That this is a cycle of contraction and expansion. That this is a cycle of studying and learning. It's a cycle of, here you go, go lift weights and then your muscles are going to grow. I mean, it is that exactly. It's, it's this cycle of reflecting on our past, on our childhood, on, on the world around us. It's noticing God's beauty in creation and then growing from that, seeing bigger, repenting. This is a cycle that I think if we follow it could be, here you go, a model for discipleship. And if we are intentional in our lives with seeing the world through a new lens, if we are intentional in our lives to reflect on our past and on our hopes for the future and on being present in the present, then I think you will see two effects that should jump right out. And if you spin that little cycle up on its end, you'll see the first, and that is personal transformation, spiritual growth. Imagine the switchbacks on a trail that go up a mountain, right? Or a barbershop pole, right? Or a candy cane this time of year. If you're hiking that trail up a mountain, every time you turn a switchback and you, you look out and see the view, you see a new view, don't you? Every time you get a little bit higher, you see just a little bit further. Your vision gets just a little bit broader. And here's the way the cycle works. When your vision gets a little bit broader, when you see just a little bit further, now you see new work that needs to be done in your life. Now you see new areas for focus, for reflection, for study. If we want to turn this inward for just a minute, the more we reflect, the more we grow, the more likely we are to find that little deep, dark corner, that recess in your heart that you didn't know was there. And now you have an opportunity 
to reflect on it and to repent and to grow from it. I've told y'all before that uh, I never wanted to be a preacher. I came out of college to be an engineer, and I was working as one in Huntsville. But I had this nag. The more I thought about life, the more, I don't know if you all went through this, but I went through my quarter-life crisis around 25, and I, and I was reflecting on, like, is this really what I want to do with the rest of my life? You know, I'm looking at the next 30 years or 40 years of my life and this career that I had chosen and wondering if this is really what life was, right? You go to high school so that you can go to college. Now I went to college so that I could get a job, and now I have a job, and I'm not sure that this is the fulfillment that I was hoping to get out of life. Like, is this it? Is this what it looks like for the next 40 years? And then I retire? And I remember thinking kind of vividly as I dreamed about my future that one day I would, I would be on my deathbed, hopefully many more days from today. And I, would, and I would look back and I would want to know had I spent my life in ways that left eternal impact. Had I lived my life in a way to bring the most glory to God possible. And, and I concluded that um, engineering was not it for me. It's not to say that it's not it for you. I think I could have served Jesus exceedingly well as an engineer. I certainly could have given more to the offering plate. But, I <laughs> but you know what I mean, though? For me, that was an awareness that, that came through reflection, that came through sitting still a lot, that came through being quiet and turning the radio off in the car in order to just listen to God. And, and some of you might say, you made the wrong decision, Clay. You should have stayed an engineer. But, but I feel like that was a, a huge growth moment for me, and it comes down to this kind of reflection. Of course, you can't get through Scripture without seeing images of growth. In the, in the very Scripture that we read today, a shoot shall come from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. Of course, we see that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature, and half of the parables he told were about seeds, right? And either growing or not growing, and why they did or didn't, right? Jesus, it seems, would be telling us that at least part of the goal of our lives is to tend the soil of our hearts, right? To find the rocks and the thorns and whatever other metaphor you wish to use, the things that are impeding our growth so that our lives are not fruitful, remove them so that we can be. <clears throat> this, I think I said this maybe my very first Sunday, this is what I think we're here for, at least half of it. The other half if you, I think, reflect and repent throughout your life as a cycle, is that it ought to impact the community. And so if you turn that back this way, you can see how if this grows in an ever-expanding circle of love, then we ought to be making an impact where we live. We ought to be reaching our neighbor. And I don't mean in a conquest kind of way. I don't mean like we won. You know, the whole phrase, won someone for Christ, I'm not very comfortable with because it implies something that I don't think Jesus talked about in the Scriptures. Instead, it's just love. If you read Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, this is Jesus speaking to the disciples just before he ascended. He said, you will be my witnesses in 
Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And if you don't know the geography very well, it's this. It's Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then the rest of the book of Acts plays that verse out in great detail. It starts with the apostles in Jerusalem. And then it starts extending to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And as the story progresses, you start to see people that normally otherwise would not have been allowed into the community, like eunuchs and Gentiles, suddenly allowed into the community. And it goes so far as, as the early apostles changed some of the rules, and you can read about it in Acts chapter 13, 14, 15. One of the most transformative moments in the early church was the first Jerusalem council that happens in uh, Acts 15. And basically they said, that Old Testament law, you know about what you can and can't eat, and most of the others, we don't think that's as important anymore. Circumcision, not as important anymore. In order that this circle might grow and become more and more expansive with love. And it made me wonder, what if we had a church full of people doing that last thing we showed, growing this way, growing in our, <coughs> excuse me, in our capacity to love? Then what we would end up is with a church that was doing this. We would end up with a church that was impacting the community, not in a way of conquest, but in a way of love, in a way of including, in a way of reaching out to people where they need reaching out to and meeting those needs. <clears throat> Here's why I think these two things would come about if we did this. is because they both point us back to Jesus. I've already mentioned the, the parables that, that Jesus taught all of us about how to grow and, and all of the ways that we grow and the impediments to our growth. Of course, we've got this Isaiah scripture here that points to a, a one that would come from the line of Jesse. A friend of mine thinks that the single most important verse in the Old Testament is 2 Samuel chapter 7, where God makes a promise that there would always be someone from David's line on the throne. Of course, without that, then we don't land where Isaiah is today, nor do we land um, with a baby in the manger because his father was of the Davidic line. Isaiah, at the end of our passage today, says, on that day the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to the peoples. The nation shall inquire of him, and his dwelling shall be glorious. Paul quotes this line in Romans chapter 15, speaking of the hope of the nations. Of course, we're talking about Greeks and Gentiles here. We're talking about that circle getting wider and wider. These things point us to Jesus. They point us to Jesus in the way that he lived and in the things that he taught. And if you stick around here over the coming year or years or however long the conference leaves me here, I promise you all will hear this again because I think this is something that we'll come back to over and over because we never stop growing until you guys can say, I love God with my whole heart, strength, and mind, and I love my neighbor as myself. Until we get to that perfect love, then we still have some of this to do. And, until, and I would argue until the whole community of Alabaster and maybe our whole world um, does this, then we still have work to do and we still have growth to do. So I'm going to leave you all with some homework. I know you were hoping that you would have homework over the Christmas break. 
and all good teachers give, no, they don't. All the worst teachers give homework over the Christmas break, but I'm going to. And the reason I'm going to give this to you today is because this is for the rest of your life. <clears throat> it's this cycle. That however long you live from today forward, that you are conscious of the world around you, that you reflect on the recesses of your own heart, on your childhood, on your motivations, on the people around you and the relationships that you have, and that you repent. And by repent, I don't just mean be sorry, that you continue to grow along your life, that you continue to become someone with a greater capacity to love God and love your neighbor. If we're to believe Jesus or John Wesley, this is the goal, right? That the rest of your lives, and mine as well, we follow a cycle that looks something like this until one day the lion does lay down with the lamb and the wolf and the kid and the child plays over the snake's den and all things is made all things are made new let's pray gracious god we give you thanks for this day and all that it represents we're going to go home after this service and we're going to we're going to grab lunch and we're going to we're going to unwrap presents and we're going to see family and friends and then many of us are going to come back tonight to rehear the story that we've heard a bunch of times about your son being born in a manger and and today I ask that you help us to hear it in a new way in a way that leads to our own introspection, our own reflection, and our own growth. And that we would notice, maybe in a way that we haven't before, the gift of having our family around us on this day and the gift of getting to be in church on Christmas Eve to share your light. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.